You have to have this principle, which is aggressive patience. Nothing just happens overnight. Okay, you have to put in the work with grit. You have to have this harmony to be able to do all things. You have to have clarity and surrender and you have to be in your zone. And you need all these other things so you can be aggressively patient. And what that means is, you know, the famous saying is, um, you know, it only took me a decade to have an overnight success, right? <laughs> Welcome to the Hands-On Business Podcast. Where else are you going to come to get tips, tricks, and advice on growing your business? As you know, what people tend to love about this podcast is the fact that it's a place where you can hear real business leaders discussing systems, methodologies, and strategies that they have used to help them capital growth in their own businesses. So I'm your podcast host, Hakim Adebiyi, and I've grown several small businesses to multi-million pound enterprises. And during that time, I noticed that there wasn't really a place that focused on where I was, i.e. growing a small business. All the content that seemed to be out there was about big businesses and often just a lot of theory and no practical, implementable advice, which is exactly why I set up this podcast. So really excited to get into it. Happy listening. Hopefully what you found is that what I try to do with the podcast is take specific areas of a business that can help you grow your business, e.g. coaching, leadership, marketing, and all those disciplines. Uh, but sometimes I think it's really important to take a step back and look at what are the overall principles of managing and growing a business so that you can drive the growth in that business, you can level up, and you can reach your full potential. So that's exactly what we're going to do today. Uh, with Adam T. Hurd and Tom Marino, who are partners at Atomic Business Consulting. And Atomic Business Consulting focuses on unlocking individuals' potential so that they can drive business growth. So today's episode is going to be about the nine principles of being a business owner. So welcome, Adam, and welcome, Tom. Thanks, Hakeem. Yeah, thanks for having us. No, no, uh, the pleasure is all mine. So I, I want to jump in. Um, you know, you've got quite diverse backgrounds, which obviously is a, is a business strength. Uh, you've got, you know, someone with a finance background and then you've got someone who's a physician's assistant. So the obvious question is, how on earth did you two come together to um, <laughs> then build a business? Yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't seem a normal trajectory of a formation <laughs> of a business, does it, Hakeem? No. <laughs> but it just yeah, speaks so, to the potential that anybody can do anything that they put their minds to and, and move forward. But I'll let Adam go ahead, go ahead, bud. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, one of the greatest parts about our business, and it's Atomic Business Coaching, um, one of the greatest parts about this is we did not set out to build the business. The business was built by us working together genuinely and naturally. And I find with many of our clients, when they can come to a place of passion and allow that to generate revenue, they're successful in all aspects of their life. So uh, that's really what makes me so happy about this business. But you know, for 24 years, I've been in financial services. Um, I've worked for some major corporations like Citigroup and BNY Mellon and MetLife and Mass Mutual. And through that course, uh, and kind of, I had this meteoric rise. And I was in the right place at the right time. And I became a financial planner when no one wanted to become a financial planner. <laughs> and many, much of that work was to do with your investments and your college funding and university and retirement and all these other things. But what I found was most of the people who migrated to me were business owners. And they really had no time to focus on their personal wealth. They could run the business, but they couldn't do this personal side. 
Well, that evolved into me advising them on their business as well. They were like, hey, you've done such a wonderful job here for my personal wealth. Can you help me out with the business? And over the course of two years, I started a business advisory um, form inside of my company, 642 Advising. And as I was doing this, I had this, this was throughout COVID. I had uh, the, the lucky pleasure of meeting with Tom at a networking group. And he'll tell you his story, but a lot of the work that he was doing, working with people's mindset and working with these executives of companies, were things that I did not do. I could work on the business, but I really didn't work that much on the owner. And uh, Tom, why don't you tell him a little bit about what you you do, and then we could say how it formed together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, as a physician assistant, uh, that's how I started out. You know, I, I was in healthcare for 22 years up until this past July when I officially retired from healthcare. And in my, you know, in my time in healthcare, I worked as a VP of operations. I was a chief transformation officer. And I was always working behind the scenes in healthcare, providing, you know, making sure that people got the care that they needed. And in 2017, I had stopped working at a, at some, at, at one of the jobs and, took another job and within 60 days I was I quit that job. It was it was one of the worst choices I've made, but the best thing that ever happened for me in the world because it brought me to where I am today and 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 working with Adam. You know, in that in 2017 when you leave a job and you have no job to go to and you're not sure what's going to happen, you know, you have it's all up to you what you do with that. And I formed a consulting company and I was doing some healthcare consulting and that year was one of the best years of my life. And I realized that everyone should be able to take control of their destiny the way I took control of my destiny. And that's what really led me to become a coach. I really wanted to help people through significant transitions in their life, whether it was job or relationship or career, whatever it was, I wanted to help people in that transition period to get to where they want to be and live the life that they wanted to live. And in that process, Adam and I crossed paths through this networking group that he had started. And we realized that he was helping everybody from the business perspective. And I was helping people with their mindset and with their confidence and, and feeling good about themselves and taking action and getting out of that stuck place. And we were, and most of my clients, ironically, were business owners who had come to me for some kind of transition you know, with a relationship or in the direction that they wanted to take with their business. And I was like, Adam, we, you and I need to partner up. We need to do something because we could do so much. And so that's where Adam and I really came together. And he focused, like he said, on the business, whereas I focus on the owner. And I'm focused on the owner's mindset and the momentum and taking action to move that person forward so that they get out of the stagnation that they're in. And Hakeem, you know, one of the best parts about this was we were reluctant. We're like, hey, I have my practice. Tom says he has his practice. I'm like, Let's see if we can help each other out from the sidelines, you know? And we went to a lunch and we're like, listen, we are able to help each other. Why don't we try this out? Let's just try it out and see if we can help somebody. And we brought in a person who wasn't our ideal client, but was someone in such need of the work that we do and could not afford to pay for someone like us. And we gave them an $8,000 program for free. Um, it wasn't $8,000 at the time because we had no program. Um, we, we, <laughs> so we didn't know the price, but we now charge $8,000 for that program. And um, we brought this gentleman in and we said, hey, we're going to use you as a guinea pig. We're going to help you out. Complimentary. We just need eight weeks of your time. And here's what we're going to do. 
Well, that gentleman now has uh, more than 10x his business and he's thriving. Um, but what happened was when Tom and I did this, we realized there's no way possible we can go back to working individually. We have to do this simultaneously with business owners. And the revolution that came to us and the paradigm shift that we believe is coming to the coaching industry is that you have to work on both the business and the owner simultaneously. If you're not doing that, okay, you're, you're putting all this weight on maybe just the business and then your personal life suffers. Or you're putting all this weight on your relationships and your personal life and then the business suffers. What we really feel is our differentiator is we are doing this week by week simultaneously. I meet with them for an hour, then Tom meets with them for an hour over the course of the week. And they are really working on every aspect so they can have success in all areas, business and personal. And, and, and that makes so much sense, doesn't it, really? I mean, and I think business is well behind lots of other areas. I, I always use sport as an example. Sports uh, people have been using mindset coaches, you know, for generations because they understand that actually just working on your game is not enough if your mindset's not right. Uh, so to actually have somebody you can work on your mindset as well as the business, because you can work on the business, but if you're not, if you just articulated, if your mind isn't right, you're never going to deliver your full potential. Um, right. And that, that's so, actually, sorry to interrupt, but you know, I yeah, bring them a lot of confidence and clarity so they can make these decisions. But then what happens is I mess them up, right? They're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> now I know I can make the decision, but they can't take the action. And yeah. then Tom, what do you do? That's where I come in and get them out of their own way and help them to take action, to gain the momentum, to move forward, and just, just correct their mindset. And really, you know, for me, mindset becomes so much about what are you really aware of? It really is an awareness, right? And yeah. we really look at helping people to understand their own, become more self-aware, because so many of us, so many business owners, especially people who have started a job maybe in the technical space or they in the, and they don't know how to run a business and they don't have that mindset and but yet they start to have success and that success makes them start to feel like an imposter and it's like uh, oh I'm not worthy of all of this success and all of this stuff so that's where I come in with the mindset and I go nope we're gonna we're gonna retrain your brain literally to think differently about what you truly believe about what you can accomplish not what you've done in the past and 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 why you shouldn't have that now like we want you to have all of it now there's no reason that you can't have all of it now you're doing the hard work don't let your sabotaging behaviors get in the way of that and that's where it really where i focus so much on the owner and like my adam says they, they he messes them up a little bit but he doesn't mess them up he he just causes them to think about stuff that they've never thought about before. And that's where I come in and help with the perspective shift too on, you know what, this is possible. This is something we could do. And that's what we love about working together. And when our clients click and they, they get it and it happens and it's, it's amazing to see the trajectory that they go on. So, so because I think it's so important and it's quite a unique combination to be honest, because you don't tend to see, people who are doing the two things at the same time. You either see people who are working on mindset and coaching, and then you see people who are working on business, pure business, you know, strategy and mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. So it's quite a unique thing. So in terms of your point of view, I mean, we talk about this all the time, you know, about vision, purpose. What's your vision? What, what's your aims for your business? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day is we want one thing. We want people to be able to have harmony, okay? 
a lot of people talk about work-life balance, and this this is a myth. It's an impossibility to have balance because if you have this balance or if you're trying to achieve this balance, you're actually stealing from the other side. And you have to be able to have this fluidity to your life. And if you are a business owner, your business is a major part of your life and your life is hopefully a major part of your business. So we want people to have success in all areas, but through the lens of harmony and understanding you may have to put in 15 hours of work today on a Monday. And you may on a Tuesday have to take the entire day off because you got your kids in a dance recital and you need to do Mm -hmm. home repairs. And that all needs to work together like a symphony, like a harmony. And sometimes, you know, the violin's playing and sometimes the violin stops and you're going to hear another (laughs) instrument. And that's what business is. Business is music, right? We We are just creating this beautiful music and hopefully providing entertainment or a solution for our clients and customers. And that's what we want to strive people to have the ability to choose to have this harmony in their business and their life. 100%. Yeah, no, Go ahead, Hakeem. No, 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 you far away, far away. Yeah, so I was just going to add to what Adam just said. It's really, like you said, the work-life balance. We, it's such seeking, it's like seeking that perfection, another thing that doesn't exist, and really finding, you know, how everything can work together. It's the synergy of the harmony with the melody of your life, right? It's all of those things that you have to put together to be able to do seamlessly and really create a world for yourself where you're not pitting anything against each other because you've planned it out, you've mapped it out, it flows so that you do have the time for yourself, you have the time for your family, you have the time for your business and you have the time for everything else. And that's what we really work with from a, on a practical standpoint with people as part of putting this into action is to be aware of where you're spending your time all of the time. And that awareness really of where you're spending your time really helps you to see that you don't have to pit things against each other, that you don't have to try to balance it out because that's just competing with it. And you don't want to have any sense of competition amongst the priorities of your life. You want to give everything its time and its space. Now, I think and, and that in itself is a mindset shift, isn't it? Going mm-hmm. from a work-life balance to a harmony. I, mm-hmm. I really like that. I really like that phrase, actually, because it is much more of that. Because as you said there, um, Adam, I think people are always thinking, oh, well, work-life balance means I finish work at four. And then I go and turn on and I start spending time with the family where that's just not the way, that's just not the reality of life or reality of business. So so if someone's listening to this, because people always think, oh yeah, they talk a good game. But in reality, what what would you say? Now I'm looking at atomic uh business coaching and I'm looking at another company. What's the fundamental difference that they're gonna get working with you as opposed to working with somebody else? Yeah, go ahead, Tom. So we really work with purple-collar professionals. Have you ever heard of purple-collar, Hakeem? Only on your website. (laughs) Only on our website. Good. That's a good thing because there's only, I think Adam said, there was one other person that ever mentioned purple-collar, and I think we're the ones to really bring it to a different level. So, you know, when you have a combination of white collar and blue collar responsibilities in the job or the role or the company that you've built, you are a purple collar worker. You either have a very good technical skill or you have a license that you've been using and you do a lot of the blue collar work, meaning you're very hands on in the business, that there is a performance of labor. 
And as the yeah. white collar person, you know, you're pushing some paper, you're filling out reports, you're doing inventory for your business, you're doing your bookkeeping, you're doing all of these things. But the problem is, is you don't know how to run the business optimally or at all. And that's where purple collar professionals really struggle is in running the business operation. And what we really try to help people to do is pick the area that they really want to focus in and then build around the other areas where we need to fill in the gaps so that they can be the successful companies that they are. And I'll let Adam add a little bit more because he, he is like the big proponent of the purple collar. I can't, like he found it and he's flown with it and I love it. Well, I, I do love purple collar and that is, um, th- you know, that's our persona. That's our client avatar. That's who we work with. What, what I, yeah. what I truly believe differentiates us, you know, if you had to choose between us and a Tony Robbins, right? Or us and, yeah. and your local coach that you found on Instagram or something like that, because quite honestly, our, our market is completely saturated and everybody thinks they're a coach. You know, everybody thinks they're an advisor. Well, a couple of the things is number one is, you know, I have, seven different licenses to do this. <laughs> okay. I'm a CPFA. I'm actually um, a part of the small business advisory committee for the United States Congress. Um, I, I have been on boards of companies. Tom has served as, as a, a, a chief transformation officer, C-suite of a organization. He's run over um, how many, 16 different medical practices with 700 people underneath him. He's a certified life coach, not just some guy that put it on his bio. And all that sounds great and it's wonderful and they're just titles and we can all create titles. But what truly differentiates us is our drastically different perspectives on how to go about your business and your life. And Tom and I fight, okay? We argue, we debate on what should be done next with our client. A lot of times coaching and consulting, you get in this echo chamber and it's like you're trying to help your client and you say the things that you think they want to hear because they think that's going to help them, but it really doesn't. When Tom and I bring these drastically different perspectives and each week we debrief about our client and we will argue, no, I think this should happen. I think that should happen. So we need to actually provide evidence and proof on why we are making the next recommendation instead of just pontificating on what we think is right. And if you interrupted that, Tom, or was that much Yeah, I'm going to just add to that. I think, you know, we, we, we definitely, I'm going to say we debate aggressively, not argue. We debate aggressively <laughs> on what's, what's the right thing for our clients. And, and like we had a situation where um, we have, we're working with a couple and, you know, their marriage is not doing well and they are the co-owners of their business. And there's trust issues and all this other stuff in their marriage that's coming to the surface. And I, I, I remember the conversation quite candidly after our first session with each with, with them. I had mine and Adam had his. And he re- had to remind me that I'm not here to fix their marriage. I'm here to fix their business. And we went back and forth around how it's so important that their marriage is solid, but that's not our job right now. Our job is to make them better co-owners, which will make their marriage better better and married better and as a as a result of that and that's one of the things where that fresh perspective to me even when i'm looking at it because sometimes i get caught up and you know you become that helper you just want to help the people you see they're hurting and as a life coach and as someone who's extremely um uh, you know in, intuitive and i want to help people to to be their best and 
I just saw it from a different perspective. But it was great that Adam gave me that other perspective that you weren't hired as a marriage counselor. You were hired as a business owner coach to help the yeah. owners of the business. And it was it, it really and that's where we work so well together. Uh, and we we can have these very aggressive debates without, you know, any any issue thereafter because we respect each other's perspectives so much. Yeah, I still say we argue, and I like it. <laughs> but but I'll give you I'll give you you know the reverse of that situation is we were working with another client last year. Same, they were husband and wife, and um, they were struggling in their marriage. And it really wasn't because of the marriage; it was because of their personal identities. And Tom said, "Hey, listen, I know we're here to help them with their business, but the the wife in the situation kind of lost herself in the business. She she was a mom and she was a business owner. She was no longer herself and no longer a wife." And Tom said, "Hey." I think I need to take a month and separate her out of this and work on her personally. And he did that. And it was the biggest game-changing event for their business because she finally found her own purpose in life, which then drove her to be a better business owner, a better wife, a better mom. And these people, I mean, they crossed $2 million this year and they, they started uh, 600000 when they came to us. I don't think that would have been able to happen if I wasn't We'll use Tom's in a debate with him, even though I argued with him on this was not our purpose. Um, but obviously, you could see even here, right? We're we're in this moment we're we're butting heads to come to a common solution for the client, and that's truly what differentiates us. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm just picking out the the things you're saying there in terms of number one. I think from to the people I've spoken to, uh, what differentiates you is about that purpose. Uh, the fact that you're trying to drive harmony um, so that actually you're looking at a holistic picture rather than just looking at individual points. Because I think what you accept, and I think what everyone should accept, is that, you know, a person isn't split into 15 different pieces that you can just say, right, yeah. this is me at work, this is me at home. You have, a, you, have, you have a person who has to do a variety of things. And I think that's what's, what's driving. And then I think one of the things you said as well was that you focus, and that comes from the purpose, on what's right for that business. Um, and whether that's, as you just gave the example there, Adam, that, you know, at that, at last year it was about making sure that they, they find themselves again so it's solid or actually the converse occurs that actually, well, the marriage is important, but that's not our key focus. It's about the business. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that, that's a real uh, a significant difference from what most of the people that I would speak to would call themselves business coaches or, or just business uh, strategists or consultants. I think that that's really important. Well, and right. I think that's that's such a great point, Hakeem, because you know the other perspective that I bring, being a clinician and being a physician assistant, I, I have such an affinity to psychology and psychiatry. I mean, most of the, my first job out of PA school was in psychiatry. And I taught psychiatry to PA students for 10 years at one of the universities here in New York. And we're not afraid to say to a couple, or we're not afraid to say to somebody, I really think that this is an issue that you need a therapist to help you with, right? Because a lot of people get caught up that coaching is therapy sometimes, especially when they're talking with me uh, and focusing more on the owner mindset and stuff. And I think it's such an important perspective that I bring to the table to be able to say, you know what, you really need to 
partner with the therapist to start working on these issues. And we're not afraid to raise that to the to our clients. That's not a threat to us. That doesn't become anything that changes what we do, but it only enhances because therapy is such an... A lot of my clients prior to working with Adam were in therapy at the same time that they were working on me with me in coaching. And that, you know, that additive measure makes such a big difference as well. So, and having that clinical expertise that I have, not that I'm a licensed therapist, but it's, I have that understanding of brain and behavior that I can help people where they don't really would be able to be helped by somebody else in a similar position. Okay. No, no, nothing that's, I think that's important. Um, it just gives a different perspective. It, give, it gives a different level of service, I suppose, mm-hmm. to the people that you're working with than p- other people would get to. So, so that's, that's really useful just to get a, a sense of your background and, and actually the different and fresh perspective you bring to it. So I can see the books on the, behind both of you there, the Atomic Game Changer. So let's, let's, let's get into the nine principles. Uh, what, 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 let's go through those and um, and how they will significantly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so uh, available where on Amazon. Uh, excellent, yep. of course, on Amazon uh, on and our website. Our, yeah, you can get our, our, our what, website. I'll tell you what, Hakeem. Any of your listeners, uh, you could pick out any ten, and we'll send them a book directly if they want it for free. Okay, perfect. Well, that you can't you can't say fairer than that. So um, I'll make sure that we promote that, and and also we'll put uh, the links uh, to all your website and everything in the podcast description, so people can easily buy it as well. But I'm sure they probably won't buy it immediately now because they'll be hoping that they're one of the ten that I pick out. Oh, that's that's good. <laughs> you know, we're not we're, we didn't create this book to make money on it. We've even lowered our prices down to pretty much what Amazon's bare minimum is to to do this, but. Um, we've made it in hard copy and hardcover and Kindle, and uh, we'll send the hardcover out and uh, and get it to any of your listeners. But here's the key: you have to subscribe to Hakeem's podcast. You got to show him you're a subscriber, otherwise you can't get it. Yeah, there we go. I like that. <laughs> Helping each other out, man. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Most definitely. So, so yeah. So so talk talk me through just quickly how the book came about, and then let's jump into the the nine principles. Yeah, there was there was a, a Saturday morning when I was sitting um, at home, uh, kind of just giving myself time to be me and be with myself. And usually when that happens, I, I just all these ideas flood through my brain. And I was starting 2023. I, ha- I had a uh, New Year's revolution, which was pattern recognition. And I wanted to make sure I started being more aware and being involved with recognizing more patterns. And I started to look at all the clients I have through my financial planning practice and all the clients that Tom and I have through this coaching and consulting business. And I started to recognize all these commonalities to the ones that were the most successful. And I have had clients exit their business for 90 million plus. Uh, I've had people go on to make eight figures per year. I've had people retire at the age of 40. And I started looking at all these people. One one of my good friends who's a mentor as well, he did a $25 billion project in Manhattan called Hudson Yards. So I had all this wealth of people that I could look at their patterns and why were they successful. And as I started to write them out, many of them crossed over and, and sometimes it had three or four of these different things. And I was able to narrow it down to these nine different areas and these nine different principles. And I wasn't thinking about this until Tom brought up this whole idea about standards in the medical field. So why don't you talk about that, Tom? Yeah. So, you know, every uh, Hakeem is in medical uh, devices and, and stuff. So he gets this. There's regulations in medical and care and healthcare. There's 
there's all these standards. The Joint Commission is the thing that certifies a lot of hospitals in the United States at, at providing a certain standard and level of care, right? And, and we wanted to bring a standard and a, and a level to business owners if they were going to be successful business owners. And that's really what this came about. And when Adam and I were writing the book, as we wrote the book, we realized that this is really a desk reference. This is not a book that's, that it's not a narrative to just sit down and read book cover to cover. It's one of those things that we really wanted to give to people, especially business owners that are struggling at different points, because every business go, owner goes through one of these nine issues or nine principles at some point in their business journey. And what we wanted to be, have available to them was this reference where they could just go to and go, okay, let me see which one of these I, I really am lacking right now that I could really be working on and, and work on that and commit just to that one principle in that time frame and master that in that time frame to bring themselves to the next level. Because this is really about the owner bringing themselves to the next level. You, if you can master these nine principles, you can master being what we like to call as an atomic business owner, you know, and really make you make your business go to another level and explode completely to a different place that you never once fathomed. But if you can master these, it, it, they're the keys to your success, period. That's what they, these principles serve for. And you can look at them anytime you want. So yeah, and we, even, we even um, we wrote the book almost following um, Tom's background as a clinician, where each chapter it'll show you the symptoms, then it'll give <laughs> you the diagnosis, then the antidote, and then we give you the prescription. And it goes through and it shows you like here are the daily practices. Here's your medicine, so to speak, right? Yeah. Um, and and the proof of this was that you know in these nine principles, it's great that we wrote it in this format, which was a fun way to do it. But the proof for me is I have used this since we have written it, I would say two or three times a week, because even as two plus decades of experience in this, I struggle with things every day. And if you're listening to this and you're a business owner and you're struggling, don't feel bad. You're supposed to struggle. That's how we get better, right? This is how we improve. The problem is when you recognize you're struggling or recognizing you're having a lack of something or an issue and you don't do anything about it. So... I have picked this up at some points in time and we have nine principles and I'll look and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm struggling with, I'm just looking at this. Maybe it's grit, right? Like I can't get myself to go through and do these things yeah. each and every day. And I'll read the chapter and look at the symptoms. And I'm like, oh man, I, I do have some of those. Now, all right, what's the diagnosis? <laughs> yeah, you have a lack of X, Y, and Z. And, a. and then what are the things to do? And at the end of each chapter, we give you 10 daily practices and you don't do these all at once, but you can pick one of them. And I got to tell you, I go through and I'll pick one of them and I'll do that today and maybe tomorrow. And then I'm right back in the swing of things because we're going to have these ebbs and flows in our life, in our business where we lack something. And that was the purpose of this book is when you're not feeling kind of where your baseline should be, you open it up, you look at it and you say, all right, how do I address this? How do I work through this? How do I make myself more aware of maybe the root cause of these things? Okay. So that's how we really envisioned this book going out there. And, you know, we've had clients tell us it's great. But for me, it's been a very useful tool myself, as experienced as I am. So um, I, I feel it has been a very valuable piece of content or maybe the most valuable piece of content Tom and I have put out. 
And I think it's, I mean, that's important, isn't it? Because you, you read lots of business books and you've got two types. You've got the type that basically just talk about how great other businesses are and what they've done and this is fantastic. And you, you're sitting there scratching your head saying, well, that's great for Walmart, but how am I going to implement that in my business? Uh, and then you have your book, um, which actually gives you, allows you to sit down as a business owner, whatever size of business, and actually take mm-hmm. some actionable steps. So firstly, mm-hmm. to understand what the issue is and then take actionable steps. And I, I, I wrote that, it's one of the reasons I got you on. I like people who can give actionable steps that I can say, actually, I can do this tomorrow or I can do it this evening and I can make a change in what I'm doing based on mm-hmm. uh, what, what advice you give us. So, so that, those are really key distinctions, I think, in terms of the types of business books that are out there. So, so let's go through them then. Hit me, hit me with your the, the nine and then we can delve into them. Sure. Yeah, so the first one is clarity. Okay. Second one is surrender. Third is be in the zone of genius. Fourth is vitality. And then Tom, why don't you take the next? So fifth is productive neglect, which always raises some eyebrows. The sixth is grit. The seventh is empowerment. Eight is harmony, like we've already spoken about. And nine is aggressively patient. And I can give you my quick little on each one, right? Like as quick yeah. as you can get it. So the thing about clarity is if, if you have a lack of clarity, you, you won't do anything. You'll just sit idle. And that's really where procrastination derives from, right? This surrender, right? Principle number two, surrender, is if you're going to have a new life, you have to surrender your old life. If you want to make changes, you've got to let go of the things that aren't letting you get to where you want to be. Being in the zone of genius, this is about flow, being in a flow state. And you have to allow yourself to be there, but also, I struggle with this, be disciplined enough to say, hey, I have other responsibilities. I can't sit and flow all day. (laughs) (laughs) And then why don't you talk about vitality, Tom? Yeah, so vitality is bringing all the energy to everything, the, the mental energy, the physical energy, and having that energy to continue to persevere and to do the work that you, you've set out to do. Because when we're tired and we're fatigued, we, we, we don't, we're not successful. We don't even think clearly. So vitality affects our ability to see clearly and have the clarity. It affects our ability to be in, in flow. So vitality is a, is a, is a critical a- essence here. Productive neglect is one of my favorites because it basically is eliminate all the distractions, right? Productive neglect is another way of saying, just get rid of those things that are distracting you and focus on the things that are most important. Focus on those top three priorities. Get that stuff done. Then grit, of course, is, you know, you just got to persevere. You got to put the work in. You got to, every day is, you know, as a business owner, you have to have a ton of grit. Because there's so many times that we'll hear from a business owner like, oh, I don't think I can go on. I'm feeling like I can't go on today. What's wrong? And I'm like, this is an opportunity for grit. Go read the grit chapter. Go look at exactly what you need to do to persevere. And then empowerment. Empowerment from our perspective is empowering other people, delegating to other people to do the work that you don't need to do. Make them do, have people to do the work so that you can focus on the work and the priorities that you need to accomplish. Because so many business owners, especially people who have been employees for so long that have now started their own business, they struggle with delegation. And they have to see delegation as a source of empowerment, right? But on the flip side, 
you know, they have to see it as an investment in people. They have to see the investment in their team so that they can do the work. But the investment is not in the people. It's the investment in yourself, allowing yourself to, to move forward and be able to live this life of harmony, which is the, the eighth principle, which is what we've already talked about. And then number I'm nine is... steal the last one. Tom. Yeah, you steal the last one. Go ahead. <laughs> because this is the culmination of the entire book. And it's really how you have to be able to be a human, how to be a parent, how to be a spouse, how to be a business owner, is you have to have this principle, which is aggressive patience. Nothing just happens overnight. Okay, You have to put in the work with grit. You have to have this harmony to be able to do all things. You have to have clarity and surrender and you have to be in your zone. Of you need all these other things so you can be aggressively patient. And what that means is, you know, the famous saying is, um, you know, it only took me a decade to have an overnight success, right? <laughs> well, you have to be patient, but you can't just sit there on your hands waiting for things to happen. You have to be aggressively using the other eight principles so you can realize the success that you're going to have in your life. You have to have this drive and determination, but while understanding it's not all going to happen tomorrow or the next month or maybe even the next year. As long as you're being disciplined and going through this and you have a process and there is repetition and you have that grit, you can realize some form of success. It may not be what you put down on paper, but it definitely will be better than if you did nothing waiting for it. Yeah, no, I think I, I really like that because they're, they're all linked, aren't they? Um, because there's lots of them that if you have, say, for example, vitality, if you haven't got vitality, it's a bit quite difficult to have grit. It's quite difficult to have clarity and surrender yourself uh, and, and certainly being in the zone. Uh, so so let, taking vitality, because that seems to me like one of those central planks that you have to have. So how, how do you, when you're working with people, how do you get them to get that vitality? What, what are some of the key things that you would try and get people to stop doing and then to start doing? Well, I have, I have one saying that I use all the time. <clears throat> it's not or, right? A lot of people say, I should, should I do that or should I do this? I say yeah. end. It's end, yeah. not or. So I don't want people to have to compromise. I want you to have everything you've ever wanted. But guess what? That means we have to add this and do that. You want to yeah. eat the donut? Sure. And maybe go for a walk around the block. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to eat the donut, right? You want to take some time off of work? Okay, you can. Well, and that means you're going to have to work maybe 80 hours the week before you go out there. Okay, so that's that's just a piece of it. But Tom, go into the vitality part of it. Yeah, so I think it's really important to see the limit, to really hone the things that are causing you to fear and to have stress. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really mitigating those things in your life because those things are energy sucks, right? They suck the energy and the life out of you. And if you don't come to an integration of fear in your life and understanding that fear is simply an advisor and see fear as an advisor, it's really hard, it's, it's really hard to have vitality, especially mental, especially mental vitality. You know, if you can, if you can see fear as an advisor and see the wisdom that the fear is offering you, it can motivate you in a very different direction. And that will start, that motivation will pump you up, right? I always talk about adrenaline. You know, adrenaline is, is such an important uh, hormone that we have in our bodies, but mostly it's released 
when we are excited or scared out of our minds, right? Those are the two places. So when you're really happy, your adrenaline's pumping. And when you're really scared, your adrenaline's pumping. It's You have to use that adrenaline in a way that keeps you focused on using productive energy and making sure that that, that adrenaline is is getting you to take the actions that you need to actually take, helping you to see clearly exactly what needs to be seen and being able to, you know, think much more clearly about what you're going to do next. And if you don't have that vitality because you're, you're, you're caught up in the fear or you're caught up in the sabotage and the judgment of yourself. So many, we, we just had coffee with one of our clients on Friday and he was beating himself up over a job that's not going well. Meanwhile, this guy does 92 million jobs a year. He gets very high profile jobs. He's an architect. He's amazing. He's so talented. Yet he was beating himself up because his job wasn't going well. And I turned to him. I said, you have to use this as the opportunity to fix what's wrong here because it's going to come up again and it's going to keep coming up until you fix it. But once you fix it, you're going to master it and it'll never happen again. And that's going to move you forward. So use this difficult situation. Take the stress. Take all of the energy that you're sucking that's negative into this. Pull it out and move forward and get yourself on a different momentum. Get yourself on the different wheel so that you can be productive and live a life of vitality. Because if you don't do that, you're going to keep you're going to wind up ruining yourself. You're not going to feel confident. You're not going to feel you're going to feel like an imposter. And all of those negative things come into play. So the real the real way to from vita- to fix vitality from my perspective is to eliminate that stress, understand the fear and get rid of that judge. Don't let that that self-judgment kill you and that will rejuvenate your vitality and make you move forward. And with that, with that gentleman, I had to go back and address the physical side of it. And I said, hey, what's going on with your sleep? What's going on with the workout? What's going on with your diet? Are you having sex? Are you doing anything out there for yourself? Because, listen, you need vitality in both physical and mental. This is a machine that we have, this meat thing that holds everything else inside of it. And you need to take <laughs> yeah. care of it. And you need to get it to a point where it can perform at its optimum ability. And that means you need the right sleep. You got to pick things up and put them down. You have to go and sweat. You know, Matthew McConaughey had a great saying, he, and someone was asking about how he stays in such great shape. He's like, I have one rule, break a sweat every single day. It really is that simple. Mm-hmm. You have to move. You have to meditate. You have to do cold plunges. You have to get in a sauna. Now, you don't need to do all these things, and you shouldn't just do them because someone else said to do them. You have to do them because they bring you the pain that's going to bring you the pleasure. The pleasure of having that vitality. It's a struggle. If you don't struggle in life, you will get nowhere. And yes, to have vitality means you're going to struggle. You're going to hurt. You're going to deal with things, whether it be physically or mentally, that you don't really want to. But when you do, you will have an immense amount of energy giving you the vitality you need for every other aspect of your life and business. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's interesting because just as you're speaking there, I think that an ex-business partner of mine used to say that I had a very uh, healthy, lazy gene. And what she actually, what she meant was that basically I always made time for myself. I always went to bed to make sure I was fresh to be able to get up in the morning and do exercise. <laughs> and I still do the same thing now. And that then meant, and I say the, the same thing to my wife all the time when she said, oh, I'm tired. I said, well, that's because you went to bed really late and you've got up really early and you know you need more sleep. 
Uh, so therefore, because we tried to go on a, a walk every day together before we start the day, I said, and now you're knackered and you can't get on a walk. I said, so you have to give time to yourself because if you don't give it to yourself, you can't give it to anybody else uh, exactly. and, you, and you're drained. So just interesting on that particular point, the vitality thing, do you think there's any cultural differences? And I'm, I'm, I'm specifically talking about, because you work with lots of international clients, and I find, and I don't know if this is a pure stereotype, when I speak to Americans, they just seem to have a vitality and a grip that British people, I find, I'm not saying all British people, but I seem lacking in British people. British people tend to moan a lot more, I find, than Americans. Americans seem to be like, knocked down and get straight back up. And yeah, the business has gone bankrupt. That's that bad news, but we've learned from it. We're going we're gonna to work on it. We're going to make sure we do another business. Whereas in England, if you become bankrupt, it's almost like, oh my God, I've failed. I'm never going to go near a business again. I want to become an employee. Uh, so I'll just, I'm just wondering whether you see the difference there and how do you try and work with those different mindsets? Yeah, I mean, there there is definitely a cultural difference, um, not only not only internationally, but here as well. You know, we were both born and raised in New York, which is a very different animal than oh, yeah. if you go to Ohio or California or Florida. And so, yeah, I, I definitely see those those cultural differences. But I think a lot of it is a facade. Okay, a lot of it is the Instagramification of people's lives. It's not that way. I mean, there's a lot of fakers until you make it out there. And they might be mm. saying, oh, I'm putting on a good face and I'm hustling and I'll get right back up. But really, that's the people that come to us is when they finally face the reality of the situation. They're like, I, I, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. I'm mm-hmm. stuck. I'm lost. I don't think there's anything left here. What am I going to do? And when you can be real with yourself and say, look, I, I need to take this break. I, maybe I need to close this business and let it fail. You know, sometimes there's that requirement. And I think the other side of the fence where you know, some of the Brits that we'll see or, or Aussies, it's that, you know, they'll almost do it at a fault and make sure they can prop this thing up, regardless mm. of if it's making their lives or their finances suffer just so they don't feel that that out in the open failure. So yeah. I, I think a lot of this is about just being genuine and honest with the actual situation, the desire that you have and what you're trying to accomplish. And that's, you know, one of our programs called Find New Direction. We really help people to find out who they are now and who they want to be because they, they kind of just went and got caught up in all this noise and they ended up where they are and this was never where they planned to be. Either they didn't have a plan or they just arrived at a new destination and we want to reset that and who do you want to be and why are you doing this? You know, maybe when you started, you wanted to make a buck or, you know, and, and then maybe you're like, hey, I could really help some people. And then you're like, I want the mansion and the Ferrari and everything else. But maybe five, six years has gone by. And is this what you really want to do anymore? And that's the thing. If you can take a step back and reassess it and say, okay, who do I want to be? Why am I doing these things? Then you can have that clarity. That's the beginning of that first principle of clarity of, okay, well, what am I surrendering now to go through and do? And how can I get in that zone of genius? And it's it's kind of a waterfall effect of these principles. They're in order on purpose. Um, but that's really where it stems from is, is this just, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just hustling for no reason. <laughs> and when they finally either are forced into a situation of failure or recognize, hey, this is not where I want to be anymore. That's where the new beginning happens. That's where they're able to take control and move forward with what they want to do. 
I also right. think, Hakeem, there's, there's, a, there's a, such a different sense of urgency in a lot of people, right? The sense of urgency is what pushes a lot of people to, to bounce back or not, right? And, there, and like Adam said, here in the United States, I mean, there is such cultural differences just between North and South, East and West, um, you know, and, and the, the sense of urgency and how you define success is always the biggest game player for me is, you know, when somebody says, I'm not successful, I go, well, how do you define success? What does success look like to you? Because that is the thing that is going to motivate you or not. That is the thing that is going to light a fire and create a sense of urgency. And most people don't want to change something until they experience that sense of urgency. That's the number one thing when we look at change. And, you know, there's, there's this curve, the, the change adopter curve, if you think about it. Everybody is different in when they decide to make changes in their life. And when something happens to them that may be negative, some people, if they don't see it as opportunity to do better, they become victimized, right? So it's really, what's the opportunity in this? And I think it's a perspective. I don't necessarily think it has to always be a cultural difference. I think it's really a perspective dis- difference. It's do you see this as a, you know, as an opportunity to do something different, to do something better, and to grow and to learn as an individual versus do you want to just be victimized over and over? And some people adopt change very fast, as you know, that you have the early adopters and the early majority of people. And then you have those late majority that wait for the early majority to figure it all out. You know, like when you get an iPhone, right? Not everybody goes and buys the iPhone within the first week that it's out. Some people wait, but that's part because of how they see change. And what we have to be able to recognize in people that we work with, regardless of culture, regardless, is where are they on that change spectrum? Where where do they really see change? Do they wait for the last minute? Or are they people at the store the first day the phone is out buying that phone? And it, it's really a matter of personality and perspective. And I, and I think that's really the thing. And culture does influence that. Um, but I think a lot, of, I've met a lot of people from all over the world and if you have a sense of urgency, you have a sense of urgency. If you want to be ultra successful, you you strive to be ultra successful based on whatever it is that you determine your success. So it's it's an interesting paradigm between cultures and perspective and all of that. But that's how I kind of look at it because it's it's hard to it's hard to understand everybody's culture when you're working with people all over the world. It's very hard mm. to know exactly what they're going through. So what I try to just gain from our clients across this, the ocean is what is their perspective on certain things? And once like I have a client, we have a client in Australia, you know, I, I, he's very different. He's, he's got a very different mindset and a very different perspective. And our conversations are amazing because he's able to put aside his perspective, perception and his perspective and really hear what mine is. And it changes him in some way, just like he changes my perspective in some way. And I think that's really where the benefit of working with multicultural, very different people changes you and helps you to grow. But if you don't see it as opportunity, you're missing the opportunity. Yeah, it's about being open, isn't it, I think? So whatever mm-hmm. culture you come from, you're open to ideas. From I mean, I talk about being agnostic to where the ideas come from. I just want to get the best ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. So I think, awesome. I think, yeah. Okay, so, so um, in terms of uh, just some examples, I would like to give examples to my, to my listeners and my viewers. So obviously you've, uh, Adam, have, you know, worked with lots of Fortune 500. You've, you know, 
help people exit for a lot. You, uh, Tom, have, have worked as a chief transformation officer. I, I, I love those sort of titles. Uh, so I, just, just, did you use those nine principles in those roles? Um, even though you didn't know that you were using those nine principles at the time? Um, and then, you know, what, what was the key focus that got you to be so successful in those particular, in those projects? Or just give me some examples of people you work with that really um, moved through this process and, and, you know, tripled, quadrupled, whatever their business. Yeah, I think for me, um, it was not intentional. Uh, and I really didn't understand how common this was amongst ultra successful people and you know there's many terms of ultra successful you gotta be have insecurity issues you have to have superiority complex and you have to have impulse control right and that's like the three things of being ultra successful there's a million reels and shorts and tiktoks on that but what happened was is these ultra successful people in my opinion meaning the dollar amounts they made or the freedom they had in their life I started to actually be advised by what I was watching through their success. I really only focused on one or two areas of maybe these principles because they already had maybe the other eight or nine Mm. of them. And I really just had to work on one. What I have been able to do through this process is start to meet with somebody and, and right away pick out and say, all right, they're missing this, that, and the other thing. So my work over the last two decades with these super successful clients has allowed me to be better at what I do now. And I've had my own evolution of of advice, my own transition in how I look and perceive people and the advice that I give to them. And I am more open and honest because of what I've gotten here. You know, I had a gentleman who was a Cuban immigrant. His, His parents literally came over on a ref to Miami. He was in New York, and we exited his business for $90 million. Um, He was the sole provider for all the store fixtures of a major retailer in America. And uh, he he just built his business through grit. He literally had every single job in the company. And by the end of it, he owned 40%, and they sold that, like I said, for $90 million. But what he was, he was lacking the harmony. I used to go to this gentleman's house with his wife and his kids And I would have to sit there and talk to this gentleman, Jose, about just like he was getting fat. He was like doing nothing for himself. He didn't really care about anything but the bottom line of the business. And he was losing everything else. And I wasn't hired to come in and help him with the harmony. It was just naturally what I became to him. And we would go from being in the office in suits to be in his backyard with a bottle of wine and a pizza talking. And that's what allowed me to evolve and him to evolve. And it was little bits and pieces like that that I've seen with every one of these clients I've worked with. So it is it has advised me working with all of them on how to be a better coach. Well, yeah, I, I think for... I, I, go ahead, Hakeem. No, yeah, all I was going to say there was, yeah, I think that was a real um, important point. Because I think lots of people will look at those nine and think, right, I'll start at Clarity and I'll work all the way through. Uh, which you may need to do, but very unlikely because the chances are, if you are a purple collar, as you said, you're going to have some of those because otherwise you, you wouldn't be in business anyway. So it's about identifying those key ones. That, and I think Tom said it earlier that you need to wrap around the areas that you're already good at. So I, I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's really important. Uh, sorry, yeah, go on, Tom. No, yes. Before you say, I just want to add to that. Yeah. So it's funny because I, I, um, I still speak to that gentleman. Um, he's retired happily and everything, but he, he has this desire for more now, but now he, he's lacking grit. 
like because he had all <laughs> yeah. the success there's no there's no drive from that cuban immigrant that came over where i mm. must do this and yeah. now he's lacking the grit and it's it's funny <laughs> how we evolve every time we have success we may actually become unsuccessful at another one of these nine principles and that's kind of the point is as we evolve to go back to it as a reference to be like all right well what do I got to work on now? You know, because you're, you're never going to have it all. And that is the point of the harmony, right? It's, it's constantly working on all this, making the music better over time. Well said. You know, for me, I never really realized it was the principles that were working. It really was. I was always focused on being a developer of people. You know, I always promoted, you know, especially in my administrative roles over the last 15 years, you know, that led me to be a chief transformation officer. And my goal was not just to transform the organization, but was to transform the people. And to I worked with a lot of the leadership when I was in that role and did a lot to give leadership skills to people. But it was always with the clarity in, in healthcare for me was how does what all of these people do together make the life of the patient better? Like that was always my primary focus. And I felt the better that I can help develop people, the better my patients would be taken care of. Because even though I stopped practicing clinically, my goal was to always make sure that they got the best from what we provided as an organization. And that meant the people in the organization had to have these principles that I didn't realize we were, I was giving them. But it was really, you know, in the chief transformation role that I, I took on, it was really to help the organization step it to the next level. It was to bring the organization to a new place where they could succeed and have good succession and have people within the organization that can continue the mission and the vision of the organization. And, you know, every day I would, I would meet with my team and do like a 15-minute morning mindset kind of thing, like, let's go do this. What are your top three priorities of the day? I was practicing productive neglect all the time. Like I would say, don't try to do more than three things today because I only need you to do the top three things that are the most important things to do. So don't try to do more than that. And I would encourage people to keep good boundaries. I would encourage them to you know, not answer my emails if they came in after five o'clock. I would encourage because I wanted to support their, their vitality at that point, right? I was trying to give them a structure where they could see that they, if you had certain expectations and you can maintain certain boundaries, you would be more productive and you would have less burnout. And that was really my goal. And, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I received a, a message from somebody the other day on LinkedIn who I had worked with about seven years ago. And she said that they were at a leadership development thing and they asked, who was the best leader that you can recall that you've worked with or who do you see as the best leader? And somebody at the table said my name. And she said, I had to share this with you because you said something to that person when she was a medical assistant and encouraged her to go back to school to become a nurse. And now she's a nurse manager. So whatever you did, made her feel as though you led her in the best direction. And that was so heartwarming to me. It felt so good to hear that and to see that. I was so happy when she shared it with me. It was just like, that was the whole point of it was to develop people and to give them the ability to see that they could do anything that they want and that they can accomplish anything. And really with the grit, like that person 
working full time and going to school. And she put the grit in. I always say, just put the hard work in. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen as long as you continue to work hard. So I was using all of these principles in everything that I was doing to lead people. Didn't know that one day Adam and I would write this book based on all of those things. But the, the, the goal of my life has always been to develop other people. And that's what I love about coaching because we are developing other people. We're developing people who are practitioners in their, in their businesses and helping them to become leaders of their business. And that's really what our emphasis and our focus becomes because we want them to have that life of harmony and we want them to have that freedom to, to work less and still live the way that they want to live but be successful in their own rights. Thank you very much. And, and, and I think those nine um, principles, it's very interesting because the, the best things are always the simplest. And people, I guarantee people, pe some people look at them and say, oh, yeah, we knew all those anyway. That's all obvious stuff. Everyone does it. Yeah, they do in part, but it's actually when you put it into a process and something that you can follow and see as a reference, and that's mm -hmm. where the genius comes in. Because the amount of people I see, it doesn't matter what you present. Oh, yeah, I knew that anyway. Okay, so are you practicing it and how is it working for you in your life, in your business, rather than just saying, I know it. And I think that's, 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 the, that's what you pay for, really, isn't it? It's, it's that expertise of being able to put it into an actionable format that people can utilize and actually improve. And what I like, I mean, I can't believe an hour's gone already, actually, but what, what I've really enjoyed about this conversation is, firstly, your passion. Firstly, your, your, almost your mission in what you're trying to achieve, which comes across, uh, which inevitably will then make a difference to the people that you're working with because you're not doing it. Everyone has to make a living, but you're not doing it specifically just to make money. And, and I think what Tom just said, and, and it comes across from you as well, Adam, that actually you are there to develop people and businesses um, and I think that that's quite a change because uh, lots of people want to do it because it makes them feel better. Uh, a lot of people want to do it because they just want to be popular and they want to make loads of money as opposed to saying, no, actually, I want to develop people and I want to develop businesses. And that leaves a kind of, a well, not kind of, it leaves a legacy, doesn't it? It leaves a lasting legacy. And I think that example you just gave whereby, you know, you don't know at that time that that lady several years later is going to be talking about you as the, the best leader she's had because she's now moved on in her career. But because your aim was to develop people, that's very that's that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so 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 we we've come come to now. I just actually can't believe how quickly it's gone. Uh, so if there's a lasting or one thing that either of you want to to leave with with my guests, my audience. Uh, what would that be? What's one thing that you'd say, right, this is a takeaway that you need to take away and wrap up and pull out whenever you need it? Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I, I would just say never give up. Never give up. Have the grit and the determination to reach the success that you are really striving to achieve. Not, Don't let anything stand in your way, especially yourself. Focus on what your priorities are. Move forward. Keep the momentum going. See everything as opportunity. Thank nice you very time. much, Adam. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I said this recently, and I don't know where it was, but, um, you know, I'm a financial planner. That's what I've done. And now in coaching, I'm helping people plan out their business. And I, I don't know where I heard this, and I may have paraphrased it coming back, but I think the thing is, is that every person I've met with that is unsuccessful and wants to have success, they all have a million plans to do things that start tomorrow. 
And it's like, if you're going to wait to do everything tomorrow, nothing's ever going to happen. And we're trying to simplify the ability for you to have this confidence and clarity to make decisions, to gain the new mindset and have the momentum so you can start taking action with the clear understanding that you're never going to perfect this. You're always going to have to work towards it. And that is the purpose of life, constantly evolving and getting better and adding and taking things away. And we all get to do this and it's your choice. But the problem is you're letting so many other people choose for you. I think that everyone listening to this deserves to take a minute and realize I get to make all these choices and stop letting other people choose for you and go out there and do what you want the way you want to do it. And there's people like myself and Tom that are there to guide you and walk you through this so we can develop you to get exactly what you want out of life. Thank you very, very much. It's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and obviously, we'll put all the links in the show, uh, in the, uh, show notes to podcast description. Um, and as Adam said earlier on, a very generous offer. So the first 10 people that subscribe, and I'll drop that out, will get a, uh, a book uh you know from from tom and uh, adam which will you know talk about those principles that we've just gone through so thank you very much tom marino and adam t heard it's been an absolute pleasure and i know my listeners and viewers will have really enjoyed this episode thank you thank you really appreciate being here it was amazing episode but anyone who did get value of this again the reason we're here is because of Akeem, and I would ask you to follow and subscribe to him. This is how all of us in the podcast world get out there. And if you got any value from this, we're only here because of him. So keep following him. And thanks again, Hakeem, for having us. Thank you. My, my pleasure. I appreciate it. I always love it when you get two for the price of one. And Adam and Tom certainly didn't disappoint on this episode, did they? So loads of actionable content there. As always, and I would actually start by going through the nine principles and checking which that you're really good at and which you need to work upon. Now, my favorite, as I said on the episode, is vitality as it feeds into all of those other eight. Now, don't forget, if you want to get the show notes of every episode, then sign up to our mailing list and you find that at www.thesalesaccelerationformula.com forward slash podcast hyphen show hyphen notes and as always subscribe like and share with your friends colleagues and anyone else who you think may be interested but most of all keep the feedback coming so that we can continue to improve and give you more of what you like now i really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did and as i always do keep listening and keep growing